Welcome to Healing the City Podcast. My name is Eric. And across from me is Mickey Haste. That's right. right. <laughs> and Mickey, I just interviewed your wife, Jill, and that was awesome. I get to hear her whole story about, uh, yeah, everything about except about you. We skipped you. <laughs> we just jumped right over you and because and, I wanted to kind of hear her education and then where, you know, just kind of things God's doing in her life and third culture living and all that. Mm. So anyway, but you, um, maybe you could tell me and everybody a little bit about you, like where you were born, um, kind of where you grew up, and like your education, that kind of thing. Yeah, sure. Short autobiography. Yeah, give us a short auto. <laughs> uh, I grew up in a small town in Pennsylvania, downwind of the Hershey Chocolate Factory. Okay, so it always <laughs> smelled good. Uh, one third of the time it smelled like chocolate. There were other competing aromas, like... There's a donut shop next door. Oh, a donut shop. <laughs> wow. Uh, and then also uh, a facility that made uh, sweet meats, S- Lebanon Bologna. Okay. <laughs> so it's kind of like, if you can imagine, like pepperoni, but instead of spicy, okay. sweet. Sweet pepperoni. Yeah. <laughs> so you had donuts, sweet pepperoni, and chocolate. Yeah, those were the smells of my youth. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I don't think many people can say that, Mickey. That's like <laughs> their smells of my youth. Yeah, it was it was a nice uh, nice place to grow up. Yeah, um, beyond just the smells, very quiet. And did you grow town. like go to high school there? Grew up there? Uh, yeah, yeah. I spent my whole life there. Okay, um, till about five years ago. Okay. So. Oh wow, wow. Yeah. Uh, so let's see. So I went to school there and um, got a Bible degree from Philadelphia. Philadelphia College of the Bible? Yeah, that's the one, yeah. yeah. I commuted. Okay. So I was working full-time, and then I'd commute on the weekends. And okay. It was kind of a stressful Was time. there any particular, like, focus in Bible, or just straight up? Um, yeah, mostly just just Bible. Okay. I mean, did you have, like, a heavier New Testament, or was it all like, Oh, um, yeah, I, I think... I think it definitely did emphasize the New Testament, but I don't know that that was, like my program or anything okay. i think it was just how their program was their arranged. program worked and uh did you have to do languages no you didn't have to do languages okay yeah and that's still a big blind spot in my uh my <laughs> education <laughs> it's super hard i i tried to learn french so many times because my sister's a french teacher i took four years of high school uh french in high school and then we lived in montreal when i went further in my education sure. But it's just couldn't do it. Yeah, it's like I can read it okay, I can write it a little worse, I can speak it not very well, and hearing it's still chaos to hear. Okay, <laughs> it's really hard for me to hear. Okay, but, so, um, so you got your bachelor's in Bible, mm-hmm. and then where did you go from there? Then uh, I kept trying to make life work in Hershey for a while, and we were just just couldn't find work. Right, and um. Uh, and so we uh, we moved on to grad school. Okay, that's when we decided like maybe it's time. Like we've been poor and miserable. Let's try and be poor and like do things we like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> makes sense. So up to Montreal, you said you went. Yeah, so we went up to Montreal and I studied at uh, Concordia University and I got a degree in theology, a master's degree in theology. Okay, so you got um, and in that degree of theology, did it have a particular focus or was it? Yeah, no, I definitely did. I I um was interested in a masters in theology because I watched a movie. Oh. Uh, <laughs> called um 
called Nostalgia. It's a by a Russian guy called Tarkovsky, and okay. there's there's a moment in the movie where he, um, the main guy, is walking with a candle, and he has to walk this span, and um, the candle keeps going out, and every time the candle goes out, he walks to the starting point again, and lights the candle. And tries to walk. It's like a 15-minute scene of him trying to walk a lighted candle from one end to the other. Okay. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and uh, it just really, it's it's boring. Like it's it's that's okay. But it's um, it just really spoke to me and touched me in a way because it spoke to something about physicality in religion. Okay. Which hitherto had been unavailable to me, and uh, I just was so. Um, just completely engrossed in this concept of like being physical with right. your religion, like having a candle and walking and, you know, cause the church I would have come from was, was reformed, but it didn't have any kind of a kneeling or, okay. you know, it, was, it just, it felt, felt a little disembodied. Okay. And so this movie just kind of sparked this interest Interesting. in, in more uh, liturgical and uh, like ancient kind of uh, you know church practice. So when I when I watched that movie, I thought I think I can write about physicality and religion in church uh, in, at a master's level, and so I started to write about um, Eastern Orthodoxy, and that was kind of my gateway um, into into that world. Um, I worked for a few months writing about Eastern Orthodox religion and specifically this one figure who was around in the 1400s. And I just kept hitting dead ends. I And I realized like I didn't have enough of a background in that world to really write effectively okay. on it. And I, now, all these years later, I look back and I think, well, could I have stuck it out and done something? But at the time, I just I felt completely boxed in by not having that tradition. Right. And so I spoke with a lot of the people there, and we decided that maybe it would have been wiser. It'd be wiser if I switched tracks to write about a tradition more um, consistent with my own. And so that's when I switched from writing about Genadius Scalarius II in 1453, Turkey, to writing about Karl Barth in <laughs> 1950s Germany. It just uh, was a yes. little more familiar. Which my eyes lit up when I found out you were uh, a student and of my favorite theologian. So Okay, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I spent a little time reading Barth. Just a little. A little. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, that, so that was your focus for your theology degree? Yeah, it was a tumultuous journey to get to that point. But once I, once I got there, um, I, it really, things started falling into place, and it really enlivened my work. Um, just having, having him as a figure because he's at once familiar, which is something I felt that I needed at the time, and he was um, just, just wildly creative. And yes, he is. And uh, and so and so that inspired me. So you got your, so you got your master's in theology. Yeah, so I wrote I wrote a my thesis there on um Karl Barth and Joseph Ratzinger who, you know, became Pope Benedict the 16th. Right. Cuz they did meet once. And, and so uh, you kind of had an imaginary dialogue between the two in your Yeah, you know. more or less. And, you know, that that kind of sparked my 
old passion for you know drama and plays and stuff i was like oh my gosh these two actually met right they sat in rome having coffee talking about the vatican II council like <laughs> that's pretty crazy yeah so i um you know our audience just shrunk like down to like five right <laughs> when you said that <laughs> when you started geeking out about the pope and, and bart <laughs> yeah but anyway, so you, so you are like, wow, this is, I mean, it's an amazing dramatic moment between two very um, pillars in, of, of our faith in two different streams. Yeah, totally two different streams. And um, and both within their own streams, both really controversial yes. too. So, so it just, it felt like there were, it just felt so electric. Like there's all these different com- opposing forces and stuff. And I even met with a little bit of resistance from some of the faculty uh, for not addressing some of the more controversial um, topics. Right. Uh, so, but there was just too darn many of them yeah, <laughs> to no really ideas. narrow it down. Yeah. So, um, so anyway, yeah. So I earned my uh, degree in th- theology um, there in Canada, writing about those two guys. Oh, wow. And so you journey down eventually to Berkeley <laughs> and to the Dominicans. Yeah. And, and the Dominicans, you make a shift from theology to philosophy yeah yeah the joke so so after we finished uh, in canada you know there was what's next and it really seemed like my curiosities were pointed more towards philosophy and that was sort of a it's a natural progression and a lot of people make that shift i find and a lot of people have degrees in both fields philosophy and theology too, right so, so i didn't feel like i was treading on Right. Charted waters necessarily, but, um, but it was uh, a pretty big investment, and it was a uh, a pretty big chance. <laughs> but we found this school in Berkeley that um, taught the whole history of philosophy, which is what attracted me to them. So they are a more of a, a, what do you got a history of philosophy. I mean that was that a big part of who they were is is in yeah a big part of who they are and uh, and uh, like just approaching the field as as a, a two twenty five hundred year old stream that can be understood okay like it's not like any part of it is off limits to them they felt like there is a way of approaching this to understand it and to make sense of it how it all fits together okay and that was really attractive to me and so. Um, and so I ended up uh, there at uh, the Dominican school with uh, with the priests and all the people who were about to become priests. And um, it was definitely a fish out of water. But the joke was that I went to a secular school to study theology and a religious school to study philosophy. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, that's yeah. probably best. That's <laughs> probably best. So you get there and like, what was your experience? Because like you said, you're a fish out of water. You're in a Catholic Space. I mean, you actually did some of your work, a little bit of your work in on the Pope. So you had some. Oh yeah, you yeah. Had some like it's not completely foreign to you. No, definitely not. But but, but you are was, a foreigner in some ways. I am a foreigner. I'd I'd never been to California, and I'd never um, studied. I'd never been the the odd one out. Right. Know, there was one or two other Protestant students that I had classes with here and there, but. But I was definitely the person who had the least background. Right. Um, you know, I, I'd met a lot of people, and, like, this was their life's work, you know. Right, like I met right. one guy who said that when he was a kid, he 
wrote down all the virtues listed in Thomas Aquinas's works and like made a chart of them. And I was just like, oh my gosh. That's As a, a kid, you did that? That's a scary kid. I don't know. <laughs> it's a virtuous <laughs> child. A very virtuous child. <laughs> uh, and I, I thought, oh, geez, okay. I, that's not how I spent my childhood. <laughs> I spent my childhood smelling sweet meats and <laughs> <laughs> donuts and chocolate. Come on now, those are my three virtues. Right. Uh, so, so I was definitely like, I had ground to cover to catch up. Yeah. So, so what was your focus there philosophically? Like, what kind of yeah? So you end up because I, I guess maybe kind of emphasizing my outsiderness, I decided not to focus on Thomas Aquinas or Catholic philosophy, but to focus instead on 20th century um, existentialists and oh, wow. phenomenology. Uh, yeah, so it's it's a little bit so when out you, there. Just, just for people, because most people don't, uh, when you say 20th century existentialists, can you throw a few names out there so people would know? Yeah, so talking? the most famous would be Sartre, and I spent a lot of time reading his work, and I have uh, a great fondness for him. Um, and uh, Heidegger, uh, Martin Heidegger was German in the 1920s, and that's when he was most active. And he's um, he he rejects the claim that he was a f- existentialist, but but everybody else says he is. Yeah, like 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 I think it's fair to describe him that way. Yeah. Uh, so those are two big names. Um, and then out of that school would have come people like Foucault and Derrida, and right. uh, they're not exactly existentialists but they would have cut their teeth kind of <laughs> sure on that stuff they come down the waterfall and mm-hmm. smash into a bunch of other things <laughs> totally yeah <laughs> so i i ended up having a fondness for all of these you know atheist materialists <laughs> yes but it was by way of spending hours and hours and hours in conversation with my uh, advisor the catholic priest so it's just kind of <laughs> Kind of the, the circuitous path. Um, yeah. So in all of that, like at least from what I've, a little bits that I've heard, and, and maybe it's your, to go back to the candle and the physicality of church and mm-hmm. to liturgy, the church history and the church in its ancient mm-hmm. is important to you. It seems like it's something that you. It, yeah, I think so. Um, there's. There's this there's this one guy uh you might know of um Terre de Chardin who was really influential in the nineteen fifties as a Catholic who accepted and wrote a lot about evolution, like mm-hmm. biological evolution. And anyway, he has a story that relates he has a story about when he was a child and he wanted to find something that lasts. Right. And he thought like he remember, he says he remembers holding a stick and thinking, This stick, this is the hardest thing I've ever found and then it snaps. <laughs> And then he thought, what lasts longer than a stick on well, a tree from which it came? And he's like, no, even those die. Maybe a rock, a rock lasts longer. And then, I don't know, a teacher or someone told him that, you know, rocks even change over the course of many, many years. And so he, he, he was always pursuing what lasts longest. And he found that, like, maybe just the concept of change is the thing that lasts oh, longest. longest. But I can totally relate to his mission and I apply it even to my own interest in church that like you want to find the thing that has has roots and goes in both directions that like lasts the longest. And, and so for a long time I thought, well, the Eastern Orthodox Church is the oldest i mean like they have they're the stick yeah they have <laughs> they have the communities right. that go back 
you know, that go back all the way yeah. to the disciples. Right. You can walk in and it's not much different. Yeah. You know, than, well, and it might even be like a little different, but like they have, they have the, um, like they can verify the claims a yes. lot of times that, yes. you know, St. So-and-so. <laughs> right. Right. Here. And, and so that's definitely attractive. Um, but I, I decided not to convert for a million reasons, but, but one that I found that just like material lasting, like to say that like they have this continue continuity from the disciples to now, like all of a sudden that didn't seem very impressive to me when I was there and talking with people and saw that they're just people. And I don't know, it didn't, it didn't feel as convincing all of a sudden, like, like the mystique of being part of an ancient community um, suddenly, suddenly, like the smoke cleared, and I felt like, well, I'm already <laughs> a part of that just by being a Christian. I'm already part of this right. ancient, mysterious thing that's passed on, not by blood, not by location, but by word of mouth, <laughs> by the Holy Spirit passing between the words between people. Like all, all of a sudden, it dawned on me that, like, like whatever tradition i belong to i'm part of this ancient thing that lasts that will outlast any marble building and you know any language and right so that was kind of an inspiring moment for me (laughs) i'm just sitting here inspired by it that's really that's really cool you've been listening to healing the city podcast with eric steepen Don't forget to subscribe on iTunes and Spotify and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter.